Tonight, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I sort of tried to keep track of the hours I put in working on this chapter. I'll most likely teach it in an hour. I lost track of it after 40. I think I got approximately 46 hours of work just specifically at this time to teach this chapter. It doesn't mean I didn't work some of it before, but it's one of the, in some respects, one of the most difficult chapters like this whole section to handle because there's such little knowledge of the accuracy of God's word and you can't believe anything anybody has written. You just got to check it out. Every detail, every word has to be checked. First verse of chapter 5, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. The word but is the word day, D-E in Greek. It's transitional, but it contrasts the certainty of Christ's coming with the uncertainty as to its times and seasons. Chapter 4 told us of Christ's return how we'd be caught up alive, those who remain alive, caught up, those who are dead, changed. But contrasting the certainty of Christ's coming, of the times and seasons, brethren, the uncertainty of those, you have no need that I write to you. The preposition of is the Greek preposition peri, P-E-R-I, which means concerning, but concerning the times and the seasons. Here we're back to the same declaration in the sense in which it's used in Acts chapter 1, where previous to the ascension, Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. That's verse 7. Which the Father has put in his own power. Well, then Jesus Christ could not be father, that's for sure, because he put it in his own power. Jesus didn't know it. Had Jesus been God, I'm pretty sure he'd have known it. The word times is the word chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S, from which we get the word chronology and other chronometrical exactitude. Look at your watch, then you'll know the chronometrical exactitude means what's the right time. And the word seasons is the word kairos, two different words, K-A-I-R-O-S. Seasons is a portion of time. That's the difference. Seasons have time in it, naturally, but it's only a portion of the times, the chronos, and the seasons, that particular portion of chronos. Seasons are characteristics of the time occurrences, the time occurrences distinguished in time. That's what seasons are. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need. I write unto you. No meaning absolutely not. Unto is the preposition to. The reason he did not need to write to them concerning the times and seasons and 
elucidate much more was because he had well instructed them when he was teaching them. That's why I didn't have to write it. Verse 2. For is the preposition gar, G-A-R, which always gives the reason why. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Yourselves know. The reason I don't have to write to you, reason why, is because you understand. Yourselves know equals to understand. To know is to understand. Perfectly. Perfectly is akribos, A-K-R-I-B-O-S, which means accurately. And this word is really unique because it means exact knowledge due to the result of careful and planned teaching. That's how I know Paul and Timothy and Silas and those men did accurate teaching. That's how they got the exact knowledge. In Acts chapter 18, in verse 25, talking about Apollos, it says, this man was instructed in the way of the Lord. The word instructed can also be translated catechized. It is the word akribos, accurately catechized, accurately instructed. That the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is the Lord's day. Put in the genitive case of the Lord to put the emphasis on Lord rather than on the day. Because you know every day is a day. Depends on whose. Lord's Day. If you want to emphasize the might of angels, you don't say mighty angels, you say angels of might. If you want to emphasize the angels, you say mighty angels. So when two nouns are used in the genitive case, if you want to emphasize one of them, you put it in the genitive. This is the day of the Lord, the Lord's day. Now, this hasn't got a blessed thing to do with Sunday or Saturday. That's the Sabbath anyways. This has nothing to do with the day. It has to do with times and seasons. And you know accurately. You understand and have an exact knowledge. Been taught about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord as the Lord's day is that day when the Lord returns from heaven. And the return of the Lord is twofold. His coming for his church of the body, then later his coming with his church upon the earth in judgment. That whole period with his coming for and his coming with is called the return or the parousa. It's all called the day of the Lord. Now, this is not difficult to understand. 
because when he came the first time, there is a period of time involved. He was born in Bethlehem, then ascended from Bethany some 30 years later. That's all referred to as his first coming. Understand? So his second coming has two major things in it. His coming for and his coming with the church. His coming for is the one that we are just dealing with in 16 and 70, the previous chapter and other verses there. Now here we're talking about this part of his return. And the Lord's day is always set apart from man's day. This day in which you and I live today is called man's day because man does the judging. When the Lord returns, he is the judge. Coming back as king of kings and lord of lords to sit in judgment. Today is man's day. This is the Lord's day he's talking about here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. But with me it's a very small thing that I should be judged or examined of you or of man's judgment. The word judgment, man's judgment, that word judgment is the word day. Man's day. I judge not my own self. <laughs> Today is man's day because he does the judging. So cometh as the thief in the night. The whole emphasis here is to indicate the suddenness and the unexpectedness and an unhappy surprise. Another usage would be secretive and unannounced coming. Thief's not going to tell you ahead of time he's coming in at 11.15. And when you find out he's stolen all your jewelry, it's an unhappy surprise. It's with the suddenness and unexpectedness that he comes. The day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. You see, you can't put the characteristics of a thief upon the Lord Jesus. But the parallelism is the suddenness, the total unexpectedness of it. This becomes clear and elucidated as we get to verse 3. For when they, they, when they, they who, the unbelievers, the senses man of the world, the word for is omitted. See, the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night when they shall say. If I'd had to put verses, I'd have never made this verse three a verse. I'd have carried it right on. When they. They who, the unbelievers, the senses world man, shall is omitted. When they say peace and safety, the word peace deals with circumstances. 
The word safety deals with being unshaken about anything. Safe and secure would be another appropriate translation. But when they shall say peace and safety or safe and secure, everything's hunky-dory, wonderful. Then, then, time, then. Sudden destruction. The word then and sudden are both emphatic in every text. It's when they say, well, boy, we're living on top of the heap. Everything's hunky-dory. We got a peace every place. Everything's safe. Circumstances are fantastic, totally unshaken about anything. Then sudden destruction. And the word destruction is the word olethros, O-L-E-T-H-R-O-S. Literally means utter and hopeless ruin, not physical annihilation. Cometh upon them, upon the unbelievers, the senses, man, world, and the people, as travail upon a woman with child, the word travail is the word odin, O-D-I-N, long O, literally meaning birth pangs. Upon a woman with child could beautifully be translated as birth pangs come upon a pregnant woman. Because if she with child, she's got to be pregnant. And this comparison the sudden destruction is really neat because like the thief cometh in the night, here he, he talks about peace and safety and then sudden destruction, which is absolutely utter and hopeless ruin for him. And he uses that figure of a woman just at the moment of the birth pangs. And if you're pregnant, the birth pangs are inevitable. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, you're going to have it. It's going to be there. You see, if you're pregnant, that body will trigger itself at that point, which is called birth pangs. Travail is called birth pangs is much better word. It's inevitable. It's a sudden and it has a degree of pain with it. Those are the three characteristics. And they, the unbelievers, shall not escape. <laughs> they can write all the books against the coming of the Lord. They can do everything else, say they don't believe, still not going to escape. Because he's coming back, and when he comes, that's what's going to happen. Verse 4, but ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Both the word but in contrast to the unbelieving world, and the word ye are both emphatic again. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. These are all like metaphors, darkness. It's a figure. These things in here are just loaded with emphasis. The emphatics, the figures. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. See, the word darkness represents sin and evil. 
unpreparedness, this kind of stuff. That, in order that, the Greek word is hina, H-I-N-A, meaning in order that the day, the day, has a definite article in front of it, the day, what day? The day of the Lord, one we just dealt with. The day should overtake you as a thief. Should overtake, the word overtake is kata lambano. That day is not going to come into manifestation and hit you as a thief. Because the signs of the times are known to the believers. Yet the believers do not know the times or the seasons exactly of his coming. But when they cry peace and what? Safety. And Matthew 24 is a lot of other stuff. That's why the believer is not overtaken with surprise. With the suddenness of it, only the unbelieving world, because they're not expecting him. Man, there he is. All their friends are gone who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And another wonderful reason why it's not going to is the manifestation of speaking in tongues. Your speaking in tongues tells you that you belong to him, and therefore you're going to be in the gathering together. And he's not going to take you as a thief. You're not going to be surprised like a thief. Verse 5, you're all the children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the night nor of darkness. Here again, the four ye, there's no four in your text in King James, but there is a four in the criticals. For ye, they're both emphatic. For ye are all children of light. This is the text. You know, children come from daddy and mommy, not light. Therefore, it has to be a what? Figure. Sure. The word children, of course, is the word weos, H-U-I-O-S, meaning sons. The word light is the word phos, P-H-O-S, from which we get photography and all those photos and everything else. But this word, there are a number of words for light. In the word, this is the P-H-O-S, which means absolute. You know, you can have grades of light. Understand? Light, lighter light. Okay, this is absolute light. We are sons of the absolute light. That would be a very good literal translation according to usage. For you all are sons of absolute light. And, and, this conjunction, the huios, the sons of day, the is omitted. Look at the structure, the sons of light, the sons of day, light, day. We are not. And the word not is the word meaning absolutely not. 
of the night nor of darkness. In this verse, night corresponds today. The word nor is the word ude, O-U-D-E. Darkness corresponds to light. Here you have a double idiom. Light, day, night, darkness. It is a figure of speech called chiasmos, C-H-I-A-S-M-O-S. This figure is known as introverted correspondence. Introverted correspondence. In Greek, what's, how's the letter chi made? X. That's exactly what it is. Make an X. So you got it. And if you got your X, start in the left-hand upper corner and make it one. Then come counterclockwise. Number two, three, four. Because one and four will correspond and two and three will correspond. If you have six in this figure, which does occur a number of times in the word, one and, and six will agree, two and five and three and four. But in the four with the chi like that, this will be one, two, three, four. So it'll be. And that's exactly the order here. Number one is light, number two is night, number three is day, four is dark. Light and darkness are just opposite of each other. Day and night are opposite. One, two, three, four. Got it? This is one of the most solemn figures of speech used in the Word of God. It's right here at this location. See, the light of the first part of verse 5 is introverted in correspondence with darkness, the latter part of the verse. Day, sons of the day, is introverted in correspondence with night. Day, night, light, darkness. And that makes the chi, and that's where it got its name for the figure from. But you sometimes have six, eight of them, and they're all introverted correspondence. They're the most solemn figures that are used in the word. Naturally, the first part is positive, the second part is negative. Children of light, children of the day, not, not, absolutely not. Children of the night, doesn't add children, but to get to the figure quickly, we are not of night nor of darkness. Verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Therefore is so then. This is a conclusive statement, which is the practical consequence of that which preceded. So then. Let us not sleep. Here again, we have a metaphor which denotes being indifferent. 
If we'd go to sleep as believers, we'd be indifferent to spiritual matters. Doesn't refer to death. Refers to spiritually staying sharp. And he puts it in the negative. Later on in this same verse, we go positive again. Not sleep as others. The word others is the word loipos, L-O-I-P-O-S, not heteros or alos. Entirely different word. It means the remaining unbelievers, the remaining ones. But in contrast, and the word but is the word Allah, A-L-L-A. Here's the positive. Let us watch and be what? Sober. And this is doubled, watching and sober, establishing it, because this is our absolute duty as believers. Our duty to watch and be sober. The word sober is the word nepho, and E-P-H-O, long E, long O which means literally to be in perfect control of your senses. We're to be sober. We're to watch. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not be indifferent to spiritual matters, but watch and be sober perfectly in control of our senses. Verse 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. The word for, again, confirms the preceding exhortation. Doubled again to make it the absolute. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Asleep at the switch. Never know what's going to hit them. The unbelievers. They that be drunken are drunken in the night. The first drunken is the act. Get drunk. The second drunken is the state. For they that get drunk. Their state is that they're drunk in the night. Verse 8, again in contrast, but the let us is the word he mice, H-E-M-E-I-S, long E, first one. And that should be translated, but we who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. But we are, who are of the day, be sober, which I explain. Putting on, this word putting on, means to put it on as a definite act and keep it on. That's why it's in the aorist tense. This is continued vigilance. Just because you're born again of God's spirit, you can't lay off for a week. You know, take a year off or they can sin a while and come back. 
Constant vigilance is his putting on, those two words. The breastplate of pistis, believing. The word breastplate is the word thorax, T-H-O-R-A-X, long O. Which means protect the heart. We of the day, we put on a definite act and we keep on that which protects our heart, not the physical, it's the heart of the inner man, you know, like Romans. Hey, that Romans 10, 9 and 10 is one of those chiasmos things too. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe God raised him from the dead, thou shalt. For with the heart man believeth unto, with the mouth confession is made unto. In nine, confess is first, believing second, in ten it's inverted. The breastplate protects the heart. Breastplate of believing and love. Love activates continued believing. And for a helmet, the helmet is a protection for the head. We who are of the day and we're sober, constantly vigilant, we protect our heart and our head. Why? Because of the hope of salvation. Love activates, hope anticipates, but the love of God activates both our believing and our hope, and the hope is the return. So you protect your heart, which you've confessed with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe God raised us, shall be saved. You protect that, and you protect your head with your believing hope of the return, salvation. That's the wholeness. So, so. It's a tremendous verse. Verse 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. For. The word for is the word hoti, H-O-T-I, meaning because. Because God hath is omitted. Not, absolutely not. And this is the negative side here again. The word appointed is the word etheto, E-T-H-E-T-O, which means destined. Because God not destined us unto, the word to is the word ice, meaning unto, wrath. Boy, isn't that something? God absolutely not destined us to wrath, then how in the crazy world can anybody teach that the church is going to go through the tribulation called the wrath of God? Only because they can't rightly divide the word. God not destined us unto wrath, but, and again, this is the strong contrast, Allah, Dia, to, to is dia, D-I-A, meaning through, through. Obtain is really an interesting word. It means 
the act of acquiring something. To obtain is the act. Now thinking about it, it's the act of acquiring something. That's the positive side. But all the way through to obtaining the act of acquiring wholeness, salvation, by our Lord Jesus Christ. I think this refers to the return that at the time we are not destined now to wrath, but we are destined to obtain absolute perfection like 1 Corinthians, then we shall be perfect as he is perfect. With the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word Lord again is master. Jesus precedes the word Christ, emphasizing his humanity and finally his messianic mission is Christ. Verse 10. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. This is the only mention in the book of Thessalonians of the death of Christ. Reason he didn't have to mention it. They had been well instructed about what his death was all about. Here he simply brings it up because we're not destined to wrath. And the reason we're not destined to wrath is because when Christ died, we died with him. That's why we're living with him. The word for is the word huper, H-U-P-R, meaning in place of, in our behalf. He died in place of us, in our behalf. That is the ultimate goal. That, that what? The ultimate goal. Whether we wake, are alive, or sleep, are dead. Living or dead. We shall, absolute tense, should in King James, live together. Together is the word hama, H-A-M-A. -A. Together, who together? The dead and the alive. The dead raised, the alive changed. That's why the word together is in here. With him. With is the word sun, meaning in proximity to, or conjunction with, or coherent with. We shall live together in conjunction with him. In conjunction to him. For we shall see him as he is and be like he is. That's why this word with here is so very, very important. Verse 11. Wherefore comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Wherefore is the word D-O-D-I-O -D -O, meaning on account of which thing? On account of this which we have just read about that has occurred on account of which thing comfort the word comfort is parakleo and here again we have a doubling 
It says comfort. To comfort is to exhort toward a more worthy endeavor. Quiet acquiescence. Yourselves together. And edify one another. Even as also you do. The remarkable thing here in this particular verse that I see so beautifully is that the work of comforting one another, edifying, two things, comfort and edify. Edify means to build up. Remember edifice. So it's not only a comfort but to edify. It's not left up to the elders of the church, not left up to the apostles prophets, evangelists, everybody in the body is wherefore, on account of which things you comfort one another. Everybody participates in comforting and edifying one another. Verse 12, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The word and is again transitional. This is the practical side on the building up, comforting the building up and the edifying, build up each other. We beseech you, brethren. The word beseech means to request someone to do something lovingly. Not say, damn it, do it. But by your own example and your own way of life, you request someone to do something. And they beseech you, brethren, to know them, to know them which labor among you. In verse 13, it says, and to esteem them. Do you see it? You have to put 12 and 13 together to get the in-depth understanding. These men of God that ministered to the body, as apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, so forth, you must know them. Secondly, in verse 13, esteem them. The only way you get to know them is to live with them. They to live with you, like Paul did with his people, like Timothy did, like I do among you kids. It's the only way you get to know. And it says it's a requirement of the word that the believers are to know them which labor among you. The word labor is putting forth strenuous effort resulting in weariness. They're not men that sit at a desk and say, well, do as I tell you, don't do as I do. Just go out there and work your fanny off. I'm going to sit here and stay cool. No, no. Labor. The men of God have to work their fanny off. Strenuous effort. The word means strenuous effort resulting in weariness. In my words, work hard. That's my terminology. The word among is the word in, meaning in you. 
and number two are over you. Over you literally means stand at the head to direct. They are not over you with a ball bat. The word is also translated rule. They don't rule with an iron hand. They labor strenuously and they stand at the head to lead, to direct. In other words, they don't push the believers out there. They walk out there at the head. And then that's why you must know them, that labor, labor among you are over you. And it's in the Lord. See, it's in the Lord, not in some man's egotism. And the third thing is, and admonish you. The word admonish is to put you in mind of something that you have forgotten. To put in mind reminding someone who has forgotten. If this is the word of God and you got a twig leader or a branch leader or a limb leader or any other leader in the body who does not labor, who does not stand at the head and do it himself, direct to rule, and who does not put in mind reminding someone of what he's forgotten, then he doesn't qualify in that position. Now verse 13, and to esteem them very highly for their work's sake. And be at peace among yourselves. The word esteem is to regard, reckon, think, consider, and to regard them. Consider them, think them, or think of them very highly. These two words very highly in the Greek also are very interesting, meaning exceedingly, abundantly beyond all measure. And it's in the tense, the verb form is in the tense that it's a continuing attitude of esteem, not just once. It's not just that you esteem that person tonight. It's a continuing esteem. And to regard them abundantly beyond all measure would be a literal translation of the words very highly. In love, in love, for, dia, on account of, dia, on account of their work's sake. This is the reason you respect them. This is the reason you know them and esteem them because of their work's sake. Verse 12 teaches you to think rightly about the man of God. Verse 13 tells you to think affectionately. Be at peace means maintain peace among yourselves. And the only way you can maintain peace is to walk in love and be peaceful. It's the only way it's maintained. 
Be at peace equals maintain peace among yourselves. Verse 14. Tremendous verses. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. He has just told us to maintain peace among ourselves, right? Then he goes to verse 14. He says, now we exhort. Same word as that word beseech earlier. This is an encouragement. Now we exhort you, brethren. Warn them that are unruly. Warn is the word admonish. And the word admonish, remember, I gave you earlier to put in mind reminding someone of what he's forgotten. That's the admonishing. Them that are unruly. The word unruly is the word ataktos, A-T-A-K-T-O-S. And that means literally admonish those who are neglecting their specific tasks, getting careless about their habits, not concerned about the detail anymore. This chapter really speaks loudly to the church that has ears to hear. And as I tracked this word down, it was real interesting to me that this is the same word, the word unruly, is the same word that's used of a soldier when he breaks rank. Disorderly. And some admonish those who are disorderly, breaking rank, not keeping their shoes shine, their guns polished up, clean, careless habits, neglecting their daily tasks. Comfort. The word comfort here is not the paraclete word. It's para mutheomai, P-A-R-A, then the other word, M-U-T-H-E-O-M-A-I. It's in the plural. It means be nice to the feeble-minded. We all qualify. This is not a mental health verse. It doesn't refer at all to what today we have a statement, well, he's insane or feeble-minded. This is not that word at all. The word means small-souled, faint-hearted. Another translation could be discouraged. Be nice to the faint-hearted, the small-souled one. I believe that this verse could perhaps apply to outreach where there's a young child just been born in the ministry. He's not strong like you are, so you, you take care of him. Be nice. Be nice to the small-souled. He hasn't sat through a lot of the teaching you sat through. He's just a baby, so you love him. Support the weak. 
doesn't say support those that don't work. And the word support, in the Old Testament, it's the word leaned. Oh, Hebrew. Remember when the guy came, Naaman came to the prophet, and he said, well, when I go back home, will it be all right if I go in with the king and he leans on my arm when he salams the pagan god? That's the word support, to lean on. I think the word crutch might communicate to your mind. Be a crutch to the weak, to the weaker ones, to the morally weak. You have to let people walk on your feet until they learn to walk is this kind of thing. You have to be broken bread for people until they learn to break the road. That's this supporting the weak. Be a crutch to the morally weak. Be patient. The word patient is long-tempered, not short. Long-tempered. Be patient. You know, don't blow your stack. Toward is the word pros, meaning with a view toward. All. Blessing everybody. Those that are strong and the three categories, the disorderly, unruly, the faint-hearted or feeble-minded, and number three, the weak, the morally weak. Those are the three categories. To all of them, with a view toward all of those and all the rest of the people, be long-tempered. I ought to read that verse 100 times a day, I guess. Verse 15. See? That's exactly what it is. Comprehend this. It's a state of seeing. Be on your guard. See? Indeed. <laughs> yeah. That none render evil for evil on any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. The word none, see that none, lest anyone. Render is give back or repay. The word evil is the word kakos, K-A-K-O-S, meaning vicious desire rather than active. You know, I wish he'd die. That's a vicious desire. If you shoot him in the head, that's action. <laughs> See? Now, he said... See that you never, no one, give back or repay a vicious desire for. And the word for is anti, A-N-T-I, meaning equivalence, equivalent evil. If someone has a vicious desire against you, you're not to repay him with your what? Vicious desire. Every desire to do injury to a believer is wrong. No matter how weak, feeble-minded, and unruly. Unto any. But, contrast, ever follow that which is good. 
ever is always. Pantoti, P-A-N-T-O-T-E, meaning always. Follow. And the word follow in its root meaning means to work at it as good to be pursued. You work at it, that which is good. In other words, always follow after that which is good. The natural man never does this. He is always retaliating. Both. Among. The word among is the preposition ace towards one another. Towards your, among yourselves, towards one another. And to, and the word to again is the word ace towards all. Something isn't it. Verse 16, rejoice evermore. <laughs> Short verse, like he wept. Three things I want you to notice here and underscore in your mind at least. Three things. One is to rejoice. A second is to pray. A third is thanks. That's the order. The word evermore is the same word as the word ever that I gave you in verse 15. Pantote meaning always. It's an adverb of time. In other words, rejoice at all times. Rejoice always. And to rejoice is an inside job. It is not conditioned by circumstances. It's conditioned by the word. Joy is an inside job. Happiness is dependent upon the environment. Happiness dependent upon the external. Joy is an inside job. Some has said, though I be in the midst of hell, God's there. That's joy. He didn't like the hell. He wasn't happy about it. That's why this is a fantastic verse. You could not rejoice if you first didn't have joy. So it's an inside thing. It is constantly dependent upon God and his word. Rejoice always at all times. Adverse conditions are no excuse for failure to rejoice. Circumstances are no excuse. 17. Pray without ceasing. This is a continuing practice. A life that is permeated with prayer is the essence of it. In everything, verse 18, give thanks. This is the spirit of unfailing gratitude. This giving of thanks. For this, this what? All three, rejoice, pray, give thanks, is the will of what? 
You want to know the will of God? You go where? There it is. This is the will of God in or through or by way of what Christ Jesus did concerning in regards to you. Concerning his ace. Isn't that a beautiful verse? 19. <laughs> Quench not the spirit. The word quench means do not stifle. Do not suppress. This states it negatively. Quench not the spirit. The word quench is sort of interesting because spirit is many times in the Bible indicated like cloven tongues in Acts, like as a fire. It's a flame. And to quench it would be to stifle it, suppress it. And it's like pouring water on it. Because the spirit gives warmth and light. Don't put it out. In other words, what he's saying, keep developing your spiritual abilities within you. That spirit of God within you. Speak much in tongues, interpret, prophesy, get involved. That's the 20th verse, despise, not prophesying. And the word despise means treat with contempt. Quench not the spirit. Don't treat with contempt prophecy. Apparently what was happening, they were, in some people's minds, having too many accelerators meetings. That's what you need. They treated the, the, the prophesying with contempt. They set it down lower as of not such great importance. We'd rather hear Paul preach, Timothy preach. He says, quench not the spirit and do not treat with contempt prophecy. Verse 21, but there is no but in King James, but there is one in the text. In contrast, Prove all things. The word prove means to test. Test to the end of approving. Like they test cars, like they test equipment. The goal is that you want to prove it, but you test it. That's what the word prove here is. Examine to the end of approving. Test. All things. All things what? All things that relate to the spiritual matters. Hold fast that which is good. Hold fast is the word echo, E-C-H-O, long O. Hold fast that which has been tested and approved, good. Hold fast that which is good, that which has been tested and approved, that which fits your need. When it comes to matters of the spirit, every time you operate the manifestation, there'll be something in there to meet your what? Everybody gets hit with it. But not everything in every message is for you. That's what he's talking about. When it comes to the spirit, 
there's always something in there that's just for you, man. And this word good that's used here is really something. It means literally become experts in recognizing the true value of that which presents itself as spiritual. That not only blesses you, but you will know whether it's the real McCoy or whether it's counterfeit. He didn't expect us to be ignorant of spiritual matters. Remember, Corinthians 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. The word abstain is the word echo also, E-C-H-O, long on. But this word, which is translated hold fast in verse 21, is translated abstain because this word has two basic meanings. Hold fast or hold off. When you hold off, you hold it fast off, understand? The other one is to cling to, hold fast on. Both words used here, both usages used here. You don't see that in King James, but it's in the text. You hold fast to that which you have tested, examined and proved. Got it? But you hold off from. The word from is apo, off from all, every appearance, every form, F-O-R-M. Every form of working mischief, evil, working mischief. Every form, every form that works mischief, evil. In other words, you hold off from every form, every appearance, every form that works mischief, evil. Verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you, holy, and pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And is the word day, conjunction, the very God of peace literally reads, and may the God of peace himself sanctify to set apart you, holy, W-H-O-L-O-Y. It is an interesting Greek word. It is spelled holo, H-O-L-O, talus, T-E-L-E-S, long E. The word talos is used in the Bible regarding the tail end of the tail. You know, every dog has a tail. That's tail end. But that tail has an end to the end of the tail, right? The end of the end of that dog's tail is talos. Tremendous word. Sanctify you, and the word holo means whole, W-H-O-L-E. Whole all the way to what? The end. Isn't that something? Set apart. May the God of peace himself set apart you, W-H-O-L-E, all the way to the end. Through his son, Jesus Christ. 
And I pray God. The word pray God totally unnecessary. Sanctify your holy and that your whole, W-H-O-L-E, entire portion is that word, that your entire portion, everything that's yours, spirit, soul, body, be preserved, blameless. The word blameless is a condition of being. Doesn't say faultless. Doesn't say flawless. Doesn't say sinless. It says what? Blameless. Unto is the word N-E-N, -E meaning in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the word coming, there is the parousa. The word coming is parousa. Verse 24. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Faithful means trustful, worthy, trustworthy, faithful, trustful, trusted is he who calleth you. Who will do it also? Not will also do it. You got to get your also at the right place. If you want more scriptures along this line, you can put them down. I'm going to give them to you. Genesis 28, 15. Talking about the faithfulness of God who called you. He will do it also. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Psalm 36, 5. Romans 11, 29. 1 Corinthians 1, 9. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. 2 Timothy 2, 13. 1 Peter 4, 19. 1 John 1, 9. Verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. The great key in that verse is the preposition for which is the preposition peri, P-E-R-I, means to encircle with. Brethren, encircle us with prayer. Literally, it should be translated, brethren, be encircling us in prayer. Isn't that beautiful? Put someone in the center, circle around them in prayer. Encircling, surrounding us with prayer, praying for everyone, encircling them. Brethren, pray for us. I can pray for you, but I got to get you also to do what? Pray for me. You can be praying for someone, but you need them to pray. We need to and be encircled. And here, Paul, the man of God, is saying, you brethren, encircle us, Timothy, Silas, myself, with prayer. In verse 26, greet all the brethren. The word greet means say hi. And while you're saying it, give them a kiss. Be sure it's holy. That's a nice oriental custom. I charge, verse 27, you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The word charge means I lay it on you. The Greek word is enorkizo, E-N-O-R-K-I-Z-O. And literally it means 
I lay it on you. I burden you with it. I lay it on you. I tell you, man, I charge you. He doesn't charge into somebody tackling them, nor is it the light brigade. By the Lord, that this, the word this is the, this epistle, the epistle, be read. And the word read that's used here means aloud. That this epistle be read aloud unto all the brethren. The word holy is scratched. If they're brethren, they are what? <laughs> you had to put the word holy in front of kiss, though, you know. <laughs> Not in front of brethren. Verse 28, the grace, divine favor of our Lord Jesus Christ be with. The word preposition with is the word meta, which means a mental disposition of action. I think it might be translated among with understanding. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, God's divine favor, be among you. Have a mental disposition, an active mental disposition among all the brethren of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not of works lest any man should what? It's grace. So he closes this fantastic first epistle. And of course, this epistle was written from Corinth, which is not frequently accepted, but it was. Now you kids that are in the core ought to really work this chapter. Get your tape out, your notes and everything else and master it. Master it. Because... Once you've mastered it, you've got the rest of your life to be knowledgeable and to teach it, share it, and see the greatness of it, okay?